It is time to take down Jezebel. It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Hey, friends, this is Michael Brown. You're going to be at stirred, encouraged today. Just a heads up, I won't be taking calls, so sit back, enjoy the show as we dig into the scriptures, as we challenge and encourage, as we look at the spiritual warfare around us and understand God's strategies for victory. Uh, This is Monday. That means tomorrow, Tuesday, August 6th, my newest book, Jezebel's War with America, comes out. Now, this is, it's around book 35, 36. It all depends on how you count things because I co-authored a couple of books, one with, with Professor Craig Keener, one with Pastor John Kilpatrick. So, you know, that depends on the count there, but somewhere between 35 and 37, depending on how you count it. And yet, I honestly don't remember any of my books having this level of anticipation before they came out. That, that means to me something's going on. You, you know what I'm saying? There seems to be an interest. It, it seems to be that we struck a chord, that we hit a nerve, that what I'm saying many others are feeling, that as they begin to understand the, the, the contents of the book, things are opening up for them. They're getting insight. Or they're, they're telling me, as one pastor did, Pastor Mike Hayes, who wrote an endorsement for the book, shortly before receiving the request from our ministry, hey, would he like to write an endorsement of this book? God spoke to him to do a fresh study of Jezebel in the Bible. And then no sooner does he feel that in his heart that he gets a request from us through our publisher asking if he'd like to write an endorsement for this book on Jezebel's war with America. Something's up. A lot of believers have said enough is enough. A lot of people waking up, realizing they have to take a stand. It's a shame that things have to go as far as they do in our culture, sometimes in our personal lives, before we really wake up and get serious. That's the sad thing. The the positive thing is, often, it it is the turning point in our lives. You know, it's like someone who didn't eat well for decades and then has a serious heart attack and almost dies, but doesn't, ends up changing his diet, changing her diet, changing lifestyle, changing behavior, changing the whole complex of of how they relate to food and exercise and things like that. And they end up healthier than ever. They end up eating more healthily and exercising more diligently than their other friends who haven't had heart attacks. And they live many, many more years than they would have otherwise. Of course, some people don't survive the heart attack. Uh, Some people have the heart attack and still don't make the necessary changes. I'm talking spiritually now, if you get my drift. And and I've often said that it's a shame that we wake up at a certain point to, to spiritual reality because often we've paid a terrible price already. Often things have gone to the point where it's almost too late. You know, my analogy would be, uh, yeah, I'm glad you realized that the people that we warned you about that we told you you really shouldn't take into your house 
because they're really not nice people. They're really criminals. That that you now realize that the warning was true. Unfortunately, you and your family are now tied up and gagged, and they're about to ransack your house and set it on fire. So, yeah, it's good that you realize that the people were bad people. It's a little late in the game. The good news, though, for America, for believers listening and viewing around the world, it's not too late to wake up. A lot of damage has been done to our society. We've taken a lot of hits on our personal spiritual lives, but it is not too late for awakening. I want to give you a little background about the Jezebel book and how I came to write it and then why I believe it's relevant for each of you. So as always on the air, if I'm telling you a personal story, well, okay, sometimes I'm telling you a personal story because something funny just happened, you know, on, on the way to the studio or traveling overseas and we finally got here, you know, there's a little anecdote that I think you'll be interested in because we are family after all. And when you do daily talk radio now over 11 years, you develop a relationship with folks, even if you've never seen them, you feel each other. It's just the way it is. Uh, but otherwise, if I'm going to tell a personal story, there's a reason for it that I hope is meaningful for you, edifying for you, important for you. And if you haven't yet ordered your copy of Jezebel's War with America, the plot to destroy our country and what we can do to turn the tide, uh, well, since it's coming out tomorrow, just go where you'd normally go to order. If you, if you get it at your local bookstore, it should be there tomorrow, the release date. Otherwise, wherever you order online, if it's Amazon or Barnes & Noble or Christian Book, just go ahead and order the book because it's going to be officially released tomorrow. Oh, and, and one request. Uh, we've gotten, well, different ministries, organizations, bookstores, Amazon, the biggest pre-order surge we've ever seen in, in one of our books. Again, just it's telling me there's something's going on, that the Holy Spirit is speaking, not just to me, but, but to many others, that we're hearing the same thing at the same time, feeling the same thing at the same time. And I've been asked to do interviews on this, on the widest range of shows you could imagine, thoroughly charismatic and thoroughly non-charismatic, all wanting to talk about these important spiritual and cultural and moral issues. But something that would be of real help is as soon as you read the book, go on Amazon, if you found the book helpful, and post a review. It can just be a one-line review. You know, this book really blessed me or found the, you know, whatever, if it helped you. We always have people that hate what we do, that come against what we do, that post bogus negative reviews. I mean, they haven't even read things and they're just out to attack us. And a book like this is going to stir controversy. Well, if it blesses you, go to Amazon, post a review. It's a great way of teaming together with an author and, and we make a difference together. Okay, so the background of the Jezebel book. I got stirred in prayer a year ago. It was, it was August of last year, and I, I had some intense prayer times during which I got really, really stirred about a number of different things. One is a book about the resurrection of the Messiah, which I'm just finishing now, due out around Passover Easter of next year. Uh, another was about our ministry school, Fire School of Ministry, going online. And then another was to get a book out about Donald Trump and evangelicals and get it out in time for the midterm elections. Huh? It's, <laughs> it's August of 2018. 
I haven't written the book yet, and I'm burdened not just to write it, but to get it out before the midterm elections. I felt led to contact one particular publisher, did that, said, let's do it. Within a week, I had finished writing all the new material and then took what about 100 of my most relevant articles on Donald Trump, pro and con, reflecting my, my feelings over the years. I say maybe con and pro in that order, and put them together. And the book came out, Donald Trump is not my savior. An evangelical speaks his mind about the man he supports as president. And the, the book got out quickly, had a lot of readers, a lot of good response. I, I, I hope it, it made its mark in terms of the goal uh, of the book. Okay, so I write that, I'm working on that book. And about the same time, I see a clip of my friend, Pastor John Kilpatrick. It's at the end of one of his services on a Sunday morning at his church, Church of His Presence in, in Daphne, Alabama. And he says, President Trump is being attacked by witchcraft. Jezebel's coming against the president. And it, he just said, we need to pray for the president. And, and look, whoever is in office, we're supposed to pray for. Yes. Whether it's Barack Obama, whether it's George Bush, whether it's Bill Clinton, whoever it is, whether it's Ronald Reagan, whether it's Jimmy Carter, whether it's Donald Trump, we're supposed to pray for our leaders. And we know the devil wants to destroy people, including our leaders. So regardless of where you stand on that, amen, we should pray. And to, to Pastor Patrick's shock, the clip went viral. It got played everywhere. And within 48 hours of that prayer call, uh, Donald Trump got hit with some of the worst attacks he did in his presidency. And it was really a week from hell. So I shot him a text saying to him, hey, man, that you know, really appreciate the prayer. It was really right on. And, and as he prayed publicly, he spoke in tongues. And he afterwards said, boy, if I realized this was going to go outside of my own congregation there, I wouldn't have prayed in tongues in that setting, you know, because, you know, the thing went viral, like I said. Even the Jerusalem Post wrote an article about it, interviewed Pastor Kilpatrick, and it was actually a favorable article rather than mocking with Jezebel, witchcraft thing. So he shot me back a very gracious note, Pastor Kilpatrick did. And I said, listen, I've got this book coming out right before the elections on evangelicals and Donald Trump. If I can find a, a way to get down to your congregation, I would just love to have you folks pray for me. And he said, well, Mike, why don't you come and take a Sunday for me? Is this available? I said, that'll work. That'll work. It's going to be like a week or two before the elections. As I was praying about a message, what message should I bring? The Holy Spirit began to speak to me about the prayer that John Kilpatrick had prayed about this Jezebelic spirit today. What do I mean? I mean the same demonic forces or the same demonic principality that was in operation in Jezebel in biblical days that empowered this wicked queen uh, to the point that even the mighty prophet Elijah at one point in his life, after the greatest triumph in ministry of his life, one of the greatest recorded triumphs in scripture where he called down fire from heaven, uh, immediately after that, he's running for his life in fear of Jezebel. She was not just a wicked woman. She was a demonically empowered wicked woman. And in the Bible, associated with sexual immorality and sorcery, King James says witchcraft, and killing prophets, among many other things, idolatry and, and others. So God laid a message on my heart to preach at that church about Jezebel, the prophets, 
Donald Trump. You say, Donald Trump, I'll tell you where that ties in in a moment. And after that, some months later, I was interacting with one of my publishers. They were talking about the next book that I was going to write for them. And we were praying about things. I said, well, here's some of the things I'm thinking about. We're going back and forth. And one of the books, yeah, great. Maybe we can put that out in, in, in 2020. Excellent. And what about in, in 2019? And I suggested, well, you know, I preached this message on Jezebel. Why take a listen to it and see if you think there's something in it? Well, he listens to it. Others on the team listen to it and they get back to me and they say, we really feel the Lord is in this message. We really feel it's supposed to get out on a national level. Can that be your next book for us? We just need it by such and such a date. And I thought, whoa, amen to the book, but can I get it to you by that date? That's when the story gets interesting. It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Yes, I'm talking to you today about my brand new book. comes out tomorrow, Jezebel's War with America. And I want to proclaim this loudly and clearly. It is a losing war. It is a losing war. Oh, Jezebel, by which we mean the demonic spirits that operated through Queen Jezebel 3,000 years ago and operating again today, or perhaps a principality, a demonic principality, that terrible damage has been done to our nation. Terrible damage has been done to the church, but ultimately, Jesus triumphs. But ultimately, Jezebel is defeated. We know that biblically. How can we take steps to see Jezebel defeated in our own life? All right, so not taking calls today, but sharing how it is that I came to write this book. When you get your copy of Jezebel's War with America, again, if you haven't ordered it yet, if you, if you get it at your local bookstore, it should be in your bookstores as of tomorrow, Tuesday, August 6th. If you haven't ordered yet, then wherever you order online, go ahead and place your order. And you'll get, if you, it's an ebook, you'll get it immediately the next day. Otherwise, it'll be shipped immediately. Can't wait to get it in your hand. I, I signed about 170 something the other day. These were numbered and signed pre-ordered copies through our ministry, just kind of an ex a small exclusive thing that, that we do with each new book, and praying over each book that it would impact you and, and that God would stir your heart as you read it. But as I was flipping through pages, here's what I was struck with, and I'm about to glorify God, so, so don't take me wrong. The book is filled with tons of documentation of shocking quotes, of eye-opening illustrations, of mind-boggling news items, of intense websites, and then scripture, 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 scripture. And you say, okay, what's your point? All right, when the publisher contracted me, and this is Frontline Books, uh, Subdivision of Charisma, when the publisher contracted me and said, all right, Dr. Brown, we'd like you to write this book next for us to get it out in 2019. We want to get out in the summer of 2019. Therefore, we will need the manuscript by thus and such a date, which I believe was January 31st of this same year. And of course, I hadn't written any of the book at all, not, not a line of it. I preached a message on this theme. I hadn't written anything on it. So I, I said, okay, I, I, it may be submitted just a little bit late, but I'm going to do my best to get it to you. 
Well, friends, during a break in December, when I wasn't traveling, I was back from my annual India trip. I, I, I didn't have to travel for a little, little bit. It was right before Christmas. I got stirred. Now, I, I'm used to writing stirred. Uh, some things I just work at, you know, my job commentary, just work at, plug away, work at, plug away. That, that comes out, God willing, it, this fall. And, you know, other things, just, you know, answering Jewish objections to Jesus, five volumes, over 1,500 pages, just plug away every day, working on more, working on more. Other times I get gripped, I get stirred, and, and I'm writing by the hour. And what happened with this book is, is I get a theme, and next thing I'm, I'm writing for hours, and, and the chapter's done. And I can't tell you how many notes it had, how many references it had, and everyone got fact-checked. The editorial team, they went on every single website. They checked every single quote. They checked, make sure everything is accurate. To, okay, because sometimes things are misreported online or, or, or website has misleading information or there's a popular myth being repeated. I mean, detailed, fact check, everything. And I'd finish think, okay, you're done. Take a break. No, I moved on with another theme. And I wrote, I, I literally, I felt like fire in my hands. So I've some. Some critics went after me online. He's he's claiming divine inspiration. He's the new Joseph Smith of the Mormons. Gosh, don't you guys have anything better to do? But I mean, I I was gripped. I I I couldn't stop writing. And I remember one night, literally at two thirty in the morning. And I'm a late night person, but still two thirty. It's about time to wind down from writing. You know, two thirty. I'm thinking, okay, done. Just chill. Go to sleep. And I, literally, I'm laying down in bed, and just, I got hit with another theme and went back to start writing. And, and you know, and Nancy, my wife Nancy, knows I keep all kinds of odd hours, especially when writing. But this, this was intense. And, and about 70% of the core of the book, it got filled out, was written in an intensive six-day period. And then, of course, sharpened and fine-tuned and sharpened and fine-tuned and sharpened and fine-tuned. I got the manuscript in early. I was so gripped to write it. And now that I'm, I'm flipping back through the, the pages of it, and I've, I've got, it, got it here in, in hand, flipping back through the pages and, and all the scripture quotes and, and the constant references and latest news and, 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 and illustrations, and I mean, it's, it's chock full. Why this sense of urgency? Why, why this intensity? It's because the battle is really intense. And friends, more than anything, it is a spiritual battle. So, so let's review for a minute. Jezebel in the Bible, she's associated with what? First, she's a pagan princess, right? Her father is, is a king of a neighboring country. It'd be in Lebanon today, right? Tyre, Sidon, ancient Phoenicia, would be in Lebanon today. Her father is, and according to some traditions, the king would have been also a priest in, in the temple, so the, the daughter a priestess. Now, we don't know that for sure, but there's speculation that Jezebel was a priestess in the temple of Baal, Baal. But for sure, she was a zealous worshiper of pagan gods and goddesses. Now, she married a godless king of Israel, Ahab. He was, original, he was a, a, already a sinner, but now... Scripture tells us, and it's written in Scripture, that she incited him to do evil. So she's an idol-worshiping pagan princess. 
she incites her husband to do even more evil. And even though historically Ahab is considered to be a strong king, not, not a godly king, but a strong king, she thoroughly emasculates him. You, you read one account in particular, and you can see how she emasculates her husband. You're not going to do it. I'll do it. And, and, and is more wicked than he would be. He ultimately humbles himself in some level of repentance so he doesn't see the full nature of the judgment fall. Not her. She remains brazen. She's also associated with being a seductress, associated with sorcery, associated with murder. She killed the prophets. And she intimidated by fear. The Jezebelic spirit, this demonic spirit associated with Queen Jezebel is not just a seductress or maybe different spirits working together in this way, but also an intimidator. Fear, friends, can be paralyzing. If you've ever dealt with panic attacks, if, if you've ever dealt with, with just a, a, a dread fear hanging over you, it's, it's paralyzing. You, you feel like you can't fight, like you can't resist because, hey, you're, you're already done. You've already lost. And fear, of course, is irrational. You you could be sitting in an open field next to three people and and get attacked with panic, you know, claustrophobic. It doesn't matter that you're in an open field and only three people around you. Fear is irrational. Fear can be very powerful and, and very crippling. So Jezebel crippled with fear. And we also know from the ancient world, let's think about it for a minute. We know from the ancient world that when you had pagan idolatry, you very commonly had baby sacrifice. Now, that's not listed in conjunction with Jezebel and Ahab, but to be quite candid, I would be shocked if there was not child sacrifice that went on during their lifetimes on a regular basis in Israel. And and I'd be surprised if they themselves didn't participate in it on some level. Now, we know in the New Testament, in Revelation, the second chapter, that Jesus, in speaking to one of the congregations, says you tolerate that prophetess, that false prophetess, Jezebel, the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess, and your sin is tolerating her. Tolerance is not always a good thing. And he says that she leads God's people into sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. So once again, you have the connection of idolatry and immorality. It's a very common connection in Scripture. Think, for example, of Numbers 25. In Numbers 22 to 24, there is the attempt to, to curse Israel. King Balak, Balak of, of Moab, hires Bilam, Balaam to curse Israel. And Balaam can't do it. God turns the curse into a blessing. But we learn later that Balaam then counsels King Balak, okay, I couldn't curse Israel, but here's what you do. Seduce them into sexual immorality and idolatry, God will curse them. God will judge them. So what happens is this. We see in Numbers 25, so right after Balaam leaves, Numbers 25, that the Israelites are seduced into what? Idolatry and sexual immorality with the Moabites, the Midianites. We, we see it happen immediately. So that's a way to come under judgment and divine discipline. But more importantly, note the link that exists between the two. And why does Jesus call this woman Jezebel in the New Testament? Is it that her name was actually Jezebel? Possible. 
but not exactly the kind of name you want to wear as a Christian, right? It's very likely, and most scholars would think this is the case, that that was not her name, that she was a false prophetess, that she was leading the church into sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols, but that Jesus gave her that name because she was just like Jezebel in the Old Testament. The same demonic activity then, the same demonic activity a thousand years earlier with Queen Jezebel, the same demonic activity 3,000 years later today. We're going to connect the dots. We're going to talk about being sons of Issachar right here on the line of fire. This is launch week for Jezebel's War with America. Be sure to order your copy wherever you get your books. It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks for joining us, friends, on The Line of Fire. This is Michael Brown. I believe you're going to be edified, encouraged, strengthened, maybe even a little stretched today on today's broadcast. I'm not taking calls today. We're really excited with launch week here of Jezebel's War with America today, August 5th. The book comes out tomorrow, August 6th. If you're listening on podcast or watching on YouTube a few days later, then the the book's already out. Just go where you get your books and order yourself a copy. And hopefully, reviews will start to be posted very quickly on Amazon from folks that pre-ordered and got books shipped from us a little bit in advance and have had time to read the book. If the book blesses you, be sure to take a moment and post a review on Amazon.com. Just a great way to get the message out. All right. You hear me introduced every day as your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. It's catchy, but you know I'm absolutely serious about that. Not the only voice. God's voice for the... No, God has many, many, many voices and many, many servants. Thankfully, millions and millions sharing his word and preaching his word and teaching. and, And there are so many voices speaking in so many ways. But It is my calling, my goal, my burden, my privilege to serve as your voice of moral, cultural, spiritual revolution on radio and in writing and on video and every other means by which we can serve you. In other words, I know that many of the things that I'm burdened with, you're also burdened with. I mean, I hear from you all the time. I see you face to face. You tell me that. I'll write something and you'll say, Dr. Brown, that's exactly what I was feeling. Or Mike, you said what I wanted to say. So in that sense, because we have a great platform to reach a lot of people, I can be your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. And by revolution, we mean gospel-based change. We mean Jesus changes us and we go through the gospel and bring about change around us. It means we shine as lights in dark places. It it means that we overcome lies with truth, that we overcome hatred with love. It means that God uses us together to make a difference in our world. Isn't the Great Commission on a certain level, Jesus saying, come with me and let's go change the world together? 
Isn't the Great Commission going to all the world, making disciples of the nations as you go, make disciples of the nations? Is, isn't that a call with the Lord Jesus is all authority in heaven and earth is given to me? He says, Lord, I'm with you always to the end of the age. And now what does he say in between that, between giving us all authority, saying that, that he has all authority and we use it in his name, and that he's with us to the end of the age? What's in between that? Therefore, go and make disciples of the nations. And how do we do it? We, we do it by teaching them everything that Jesus commanded us. We do it by immersing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit. So that's how we go and make disciples. So it is a world-changing mission, and it's a revolutionary mission. But not the way the world carries things out, not with the weapons of this age, but with spiritual weapons, the weapons of the word, the weapons of changed lives, the weapons of, of love and grace, weapons of the power of the Holy Spirit at work supernaturally. Now, I've also said that it's our goal to be a voice of moral sanity and spiritual clarity in the midst of, of a world in massive confusion, a world that is out of control, in chaos, and a church that is all too often in compromise. It is an urgent hour. And, and it is our goal, according to First Chronicles 12.32, to be like the sons of Issachar. They were part of David's army. First Chronicles 12, beginning in verse 32, lays this out, that these were the the troops, the, the warriors, the leaders that came to David at Hebron to help turn the kingdom to him from Hebron to Jerusalem to, to unite Israel behind them as he switched his capital city from Hebron to Jerusalem. Seven years of Hebron, 33 years in Jerusalem, 40 years reigning over Judah, then Judah and Israel. So they're, they're different warriors. They're, they're mighty soldiers. They're battle-tested people. There are large numbers. The sons of Issachar is the smallest. It only mentions 200 heads of, of, of the, the tribes there, of the, of the families. And it doesn't mention they're battle-tested. It doesn't mention their skills. It doesn't mention they're equipped with this weapon or that. Rather, it says they understood the times and knew what Israel should do. They understood the times and knew what Israel should do. It's one thing to have a prophetic interest in the world around us. And are these signs that Jesus is coming back? Or are we getting closer to the end of the age? And, and Christians have asked that through the centuries. That's perfectly fine. But, but it's more important to understand the times and understand, okay, this is what we should do. You ever watch a sports event, primarily football or basketball? Football in particular, American football. And, and you'll say, oh, man, they did a real bad job of time management. They didn't use their timeouts well. They did a bad job of time management. Well, we often do a very bad job of time management because we, we don't act in accordance with what's happening around us. We don't understand the time. So I'm using this in a different term, time management. We don't understand the times, and therefore we don't know what we are supposed to do. So, writing Jezebel's War with America, I felt like the Lord wanted me to help take the veil of deception off so we could see what's really happening. You know, I've often pointed out 
that there may be some some beautiful picture of a seductive looking gal and she's scantily clad and and she's smiling and some guy looks at that and he thinks no she's smiling at me she's interested in me well no behind that spiritually speaking is a as a miserably ugly vicious demon who wants nothing other than to destroy you and this gal could care less about you she's just getting paid to pose you know it's like some sci-fi movie where there's some very attractive looking person but there's some demonic being inside of them we look around in society and we often don't recognize what's happening spiritually so in Jezebel's war with America we began to connect the dots looking at Jezebel in the Bible in the Old Testament and then mentioned a prophetess named Jezebel in the New Testament or one that Jesus calls Jezebel and we looked at what's happening in society around us and said wait a second, that's Jezebel. It's like when you go to a doctor. I don't know if you've ever had this happen. You got a condition over here, this part of your body. And your doctor's, well, not quite sure. But now it's this part of the body. And now it's this. Now it's that. I, I remember once that I had shoulder issues. This is going back a few years. I was working out one day, wanted to do some shoulder. Oh, shoulder's really hurting. And I, th I think actually may have started with the left and went to a doctor and he said, okay, you need physical therapy, thus and such. So I went regularly, our insurance was covering it at that time. I went regularly and got physical therapy. And to my shock, the thing shifted to the right shoulder. What in the world? It shifted from the left to the right. What happened? So... The therapist said, well, you must have been overcompensating with the one, and that's why it jumped to the other. And seemed like a great guy, the therapist. But anyway, my sister-in-law recommended a Christian chiropractor. And she said, not only will he work on you, he'll, he'll pray for wisdom as he works on you. And I told him what happened, and he looked at it. He said, no, no, it's, that's not what it was. It didn't jump from one to the other, that reason. He said, there's another explanation for it. And he began to work on it. And gave me some exercises to do and prayed for wisdom because he said, you know, it's just a little hard to isolate. And after a while, the thing went away completely. I've had no issues since. Notice there, there was something else going on. And it seemed to be over here, now over here. And, and you go to the doctor with all the different symptoms. And he says, no, 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 you're not suffering from five different things. It's all the same. Here's how to focus on that one thing and deal with it. This therapy or these antibiotics or this surgery, the one thing will fix it all because it's all flowing from the same issue. You may have had that in your house. You know what I'm saying? You may have had that in your house where there's a leak here and it creates a problem there, which leads to a problem here, which creates a new problem there, which ends up something there. And it's like all you're trying to do is, is stick your finger in, in, in different holes in the dam where there's another issue going on. That's how it is with the Jezebelic attack on America. Five or six or seven or eight different things that all seem to be so unrelated, they are related. Jezebel associated with idolatry in the Bible. Is there not a massive rise in the American society of a turning away from the worship of God and of being caught up in the things of this world, including materialism and greed, which are gods in themselves? an obsession with every other entertainment and idol and 
everything else that gets our eyes off the one true God and takes our energy. That's Jezebel. You say, I need more proof than that. Oh, I'm just getting started. Jezebel is associated with seduction, sexual immorality. No generation in world history has ever had to deal with our generation's issues now. Sexual temptations. It's always been here from the fall of man, sexual temptation. And many have fallen by it. But with internet, with availability of porn, so that little kids can access it on cell phones, no one's ever had to deal with this. So you've got idolatry, sexual immorality. The rise of radical feminism and its ugliest man-hating spirit. And with that, the war on gender, turning men into women and women into men. With that, the emasculating of men in the culture. The intimidating of the prophetic voices by fear. The rise of witchcraft. Jezebel also associated with sorcery and witchcraft. You know, I was checking on Amazon the other day, and I, I think it was like seven out of the most 10 read books on Amazon right now. So it's not just bought, but read. I don't know how they compute read, but they were, they were Harry Potter books. So even with the innocent sorcery and then the outright rise in witchcraft, you put all these things together and, and the demonic empowering behind them. Oh, there's more also. But, but this is enough when you put them together and chapter after chapter, we unfold them in the Jezebel book. You think, okay, we're not just dealing with different unrelated issues. The militant shout your abortion, baby killing spirit that makes light of the taking of the life of a baby in the womb that laughs about it, that feels it's some kind of sacred right. These things are all related. When we, in Jesus' name, through prayer and spiritual warfare, come against Jezebel, we're going to see changes in these different areas. At the very least in our personal lives, if not church-wide, if not community-wide, if not nationwide. Now, does Donald Trump fit in with all this? Yeah, whether you love Donald Trump or loathe Donald Trump, he fits in. And I'll tell you exactly how when we come back. It's launch week Jezebel's War on America. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Welcome back, friends, to this special broadcast as it is launch week for Jezebel's War with America. Again, book comes out tomorrow, August 6th. So if you haven't pre-ordered yet, just wherever you order your books, just go ahead and get them or go to your local bookstore. They should be in stock as of tomorrow, unless they got them in a little early. And as I said before, I've never seen this level of interest in a book before it came out in in one of mine, that there's often anticipation. We talk about a new book coming out and that, that blesses me. I can't tell you how privileged I feel to write books that are important to you and that, that you want to read means the world to me as God's called me to write. What else could I ask for? But, but readers, interested readers, but there just seems to be something up more as I talk about this, the interest there, the, the anticipation. So we're, we're really excited about that and believing that the Lord's doing something. So where does Donald Trump tie in with Jezebel? Now, now please listen to me. You may be one of President Trump's most loyal supporters. You may be one of President Trump's most strident critics. You may be someone who says, I don't understand how you can be a Christian and not vote for Donald Trump. You may be one who says, I don't know how you can be a Christian and vote for Donald Trump. To both of you, to all of you, and wherever you are in between, what I'm about to say applies just the same. It was Pastor John Kilpatrick's prayer a year ago 
about Jezebel wanting to attack the president, witchcraft coming against the president that got me thinking about this, which ended up leading to the theme of, of me writing this book. And when I was interviewing Jonathan Kahn last year, it happened to be the, the day of the, of the solar eclipse, as you remember that, yeah, great day to interview Jonathan, that he was mentioning how Donald Trump is a Jehu kind of figure. We read about Jehu in 2 Kings. He has this conflict with Jezebel in 2 Kings 9. And what we see is that Jehu, like Donald Trump, was an outsider. He was not a politician. Trump, a businessman, of course, Jehu, a general. We see that he's described as, as driving like a maniac or driving recklessly. And I have headlines uh, in the Jezebel book in the chapter that intersects with Trump. He's just one little part of the book. But in the chapter that intersects with him, I have uh, references to Trump being like a, a maniac or reckless. The exact words used to describe Jehu have been used to describe Trump. Okay, again, by critics in both cases. And we know that that Jehu did a lot of good. He was zealous for, for, for God's cause, but he also did a lot of collateral damage. He was like a bull in a china shop. Things that very much seem like a Trump kind of character. And interestingly, Jonadab, son of, son of Rechab, who was a godly man and a moral man, was a real friend of Jehu, and some have likened Jonadab to, to a Mike Pence figure. Not to say that Jehu was a prophecy of Trump. No, no, no. But to say they're interesting parallels. But it's Jehu who ultimately brings down Jezebel. So my thesis was simply this, and it, it didn't take a rocket scientist to see this, that when you have a Donald Trump-type person, now the critics would point out his past, you know, being a misogynist and his gross comments about women and, and, and being an adulterer and a playboy and all of this. They would point out the negative. His, his supporters would point out the positive. He's a strong leader. He doesn't back down from anyone. He's pro-life, etc. Either way, this type of leader is going to come into conflict with Jezebel. There is going to be a direct conflict with Jezebel with the radical feminist spirit, all right? So what's happened with the Trump presidency, let me say it again, for better or for worse, whether you voted for him or didn't vote for him, what's happened with his presidency is that this attitude, this Jezebelic mentality, these same demonic forces have, have come out of the woodwork you say, well, they've been rightly provoked. Others say, no, they've been provoked by righteousness. Whichever side of this you're looking at, you can't deny what's happened. So you have the, the women's marches uh, immediately after his presidency. I mean, massive organization, marches around America, around the world. And I'm sure we're going to see more of these in the, in, in the months ahead as we get closer to the 2020 elections. And if he wins again, then we'll see them even more pronouncedly in certain circles. And I'm sure some of the women are sincere women, and they feel very upset that Donald Trump is, is in the White House and feel that he's unworthy of the office and it only hurts America. And others are wicked women. They are witches. They are full of anger and hatred and venom. They are radical feminists. They, they glory in the right to abortion. They're involved as well. And their voices are probably the more prominent voices, all right? And, and with this, 
the angry spirit of, of wanting to blow up the White House or, or it, which is, you tell me if this is coincidence, which is cursing President Trump while other witches are cursing or hexing the patriarchy in general. All right. The, the, the male authority in general. Now you look at the wider scene in our culture, the dumbing down of men and in particular fathers in our culture. I'm 64. So many of you my age, a little bit older, a little bit younger, remember the shows that aired in the 50s and the 60s. The shows like Father Knows Best, the shows like Ozzy and Harriet, the shows like Andy Griffith. The show's like Lassie. If you never saw any of these shows, they're readily available. Go back and watch some. And you'll think, no, no, no families were like that. Yeah, a lot of our families were like that. And yeah, they may be a little idealistic here and there, but the, the dad was responsible and the, the dad was, was, was reasonable and the, the dad was, was wise and so on. And you go on from that to, to the Homer Simpsons of the world. And I've only watched excerpts of Homer Simpson or the Simpsons in general, but I'm correct. Homer Simpson is not exactly father knows best. And, and every, everybody loves Raymond. Is that the show? I haven't seen that, but just reading about the, 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 the emasculating of the father, of, of the man, of the male. That's Jezebel. That's the same demonic powers that we're talking about. Look, there's one instance in, in Scripture in 1 Kings, the 22nd chapter, where, where Ahab is going to, to meet his demise, their prophetic words that are now spoken against him. And, and at that point, he, he's just humbled himself a couple chapters earlier because of which Elijah the prophet has given a message from God, all right, that the destruction won't come in his lifetime, all right? But, but what was it that led up to these things? Ahab is upset. There's, there's a vineyard owned by another Israelite. It's right next to the king's property, and he wants it. So he tells the guy, I'd like your property. And the guy's like, no, I'm not selling it. It's ancestral property. And to, to sell it, where it now is going to go out of your tribe and your family, that was unheard of. So what happens? What happens is that Ahab's sulking. Uh, mad. Jezebel's voice, what are you sulking for? He tells you, because take care of that. So she calls for, you know, big gathering of everyone together, you know, calls for the special day, the special gathering and, and make sure that he's there. Naboth is, is, is there at, at the front of the, the, the table with the special guests and then have witnesses denounce him. You know, he's reviled God and the king and kill him. And they do that. They murder a guy in cold blood. And then she says, Ahab, go take your field. That's the kind of woman that she was. But that's how emasculating that it was to have a wife like this, that she committed evil beyond his evil. That scripture says she instigated him to, to, to commit sin. It's what we're dealing with in the society today. There's connection between the dumbing down of the dads for years in our culture and the shout your abortion spirit. There's a connection. There's a connection between the seduction of porn on the one hand and the rise of radical feminism on the other hand. You think they're so different. One is sexually objectifying women. The other is fighting against it. Yeah, but, but there's a spiritual connection because they, they both have destructive uh, effects on women and on men. So with Donald Trump, it, it's like the final Jezebel conflict has come. to. It, it is right in front of our eyes. The question is, how do we deal with 
How do we defeat Jezebel? We're going to get into that, God willing, on tomorrow's broadcast. All right. I won't be taking calls today or tomorrow. So sit back, enjoy all the content. If you miss any of the broadcasts, they're immediately archived on our YouTube channel, Ask Dr. Brown, A-S-K-D-R Brown on YouTube. You can watch them there. And again, you can watch them live on YouTube or Ask Dr. Brown channel on Facebook. You can also subscribe, get the podcast later on MP3. So however you can take these in, do so. The last two chapters of the book, we deal first with how to defeat Jezebel on a personal level, the demonic forces and powers that you're dealing with on a personal level, how to defeat Jezebel on a personal level, and then how to defeat Jezebel on a corporate level. And one thing that really blessed me with this book was that the editor worked with Adrian and quite a few books with Charisma. She's a terrific editor with a great team that her two favorite chapters of the book were the last two chapters. These are chapters of victory. These are chapters of hope. These are chapters of strength. But friends, unless we recognize the battle, unless we recognize what the enemy is doing, we will not be adequately equipped to push back against the evil one. So we're going to stand together in Jesus' name. We're going to see victory in Jesus' name. Being forewarned is being fore-equipped. And when we put on the full armor of God, no demon, no principality, not even Satan himself can stand in our way. In him, in Jesus, we are more than conquerors. We are overcomers. Let's gird ourselves up. Let's take the sword of the Spirit, the word of God. Let's go to war. Go ahead and get your copy of Jezebel's War with America.